0: please buy tables so I don't have to think about it again. <laughs> okay, shifting gears. The case for Easter. So we're going to do three, three weeks. Uh, I get to share this morning. I believe Pastor Chris is going to share next week and then Pastor Daisy the next week about what Easter's all about. There's some that have doubted all about this. And, and maybe if you've had some doubts, it'd be good to read the book and, uh, and listen to these sermons because it will help you realize and adjust and think about what easter really is about you know the enemy doesn't like it and he attacks in a couple different ways you know uh, it's like christmas is all about santa claus and easter's all about what chicks and eggs and bunnies and bunnies laying chocolate eggs i've seen what bunnies lay they don't lay chocolate eggs uh you know uh and and just to get your mind off it is one way that the enemy uses because he doesn't want people to think about what really happened The other way he he, he comes at us is the idea that Jesus never did die. This was started way off, way back. Uh, In the 7th century, in the Quran, it it, it said he didn't die. And in the 19th century, the ideas started coming forth with this whole swoon theory that really the swoon theory was that Jesus only fainted of exhaustion on the cross and he'd been given a drug that made him appear to die. And then when he got in the cool tomb, he revived. And and these are all things that people have put out to, to try to explain what really happened at that time. And even in our own times, there's a numerous movies have come out that portray uh, strange things happening, but not happening what uh, history tells us and what our Bible tells us. So today I'm gonna to just talk a little bit about some of the things about what happened in, even back by history and what, what's in our Bible. So I'm gonna start and just kinda, of, uh, we're gonna just talk about those last few hours and we're gonna talk about the excruciating execution Do you realize the word excruciating really is, in Latin, it was out of the cross. Cruce is the cross, and excruciating is out of. And it was the pain that came out of crucifixions. That's where we get our word, excruciating. The excruciating execution. So, we're going to go back to the... And I'm going to just tell you this. we'll, We'll use some verses, but if you're interested, read it through in Scripture in Matthew 26, and in Luke 22, and 23, you, you'll read the story, uh, and uh, I, so I'm just going to share, just draw your mind back, and tell you a little bit what happened. The night uh, of the Last Supper, when Jesus had his disciples together, and they were sitting there, and the disciples were getting very, very sad, because he said he was leaving them, He uh, he, he said that terrible things were going to happen and all the rest of it and they're asking and someone was going to betray him one of them was going to betray him they're saying is it me is it me and 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 they were very confused what was going on and then in the middle of this jesus stops and he takes the bread and he breaks it and he passes it around to them and he says this is my body my soul this is my body take it and eat it and then later on he took the cup and and he said Drink from it, all of you guys. This is my blood and the covenant which is poured out for many for the salvation of and the, and the forgiveness of sins. And, and, and he, he did that. And here's these disciples. They have heard him say, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood. He said that before. And, and they're all kind of wondering, what is this all about? And they didn't understand what was about to happen. But they sat there and they ate and they drank, not knowing what was going on. And so then they sang, they sang a song, and they went out, and they went to a place that Jesus had gone before in a garden. It was called Gethsemane. And we get out to the garden. Uh, he, he left the group of his disciples in one place, telling them to pray, and then he took three of them a little further on, and he told them to pray, and then he went further on. And something began to happen in that garden, something hor- horrific. Uh, it became black and dark, and on Christ came this uh, a crushing anxiety uh, and, and, uh, and he was in, in Matthew 26 he said my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death stay here and watch with me I share this because a lot of times we don't understand when the enemy is attacking and I believe this was an enemy attack on Christ trying to kill him right there in the garden and, and he was asking his disciples to pray and, and they, they were tired and they were sleepy, and they had had this meal, and, and, and they were forcing themselves, and they were sorrowful, and their sorrow, it says, made them tired and sleepy, and sometimes when you are sorrowful, you do get tired and sleepy, and they were fighting all of this, but they didn't understand what was going on. <clears throat> and then he prayed, Let, Father, is it possible Let this cup of suffering be taken away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. I don't know, Uh, you you might disagree with me, but I don't think he was praying about the cross. He was born to go to the cross. He knew he was going to the cross. He knew that. He said, if I be lifted up. He knew he had to be lifted up. But I think at that moment, Satan was trying to kill him. Satan had tried to kill him previously. When he was a baby, uh, Herod killed all of the babies uh, because the enemy wanted to kill him. The devil wanted to kill him. Satan wanted to kill him. Later on, he tried to have the people push him off a cliff. And, and just a few days before uh, this, this happened, they picked up stones and they were going to stone him and they were going to kill him. The enemy wanted to get rid of him and, and, and he was trying every which way he could. And I believe he was trying to kill him right there. In Matthew 22, he said, Father, if you're willing to take this cup from me and yet not my will but yours be done. And then an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And I believe that the cup was passed. That cup was passed. And he was heading for the cross. He knew he was heading for the cross. He came to go to the cross. It was his desire to go and give his life as a ransom for you and I. But at that moment it said he was in great anguish and he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose up and he went back to his disciples he said, why are you still sleeping? Pray. I I, I share this this part of the story for two reasons one reason is we need to be conscious of the enemy and we need to pray we need to be conscious and prayer Uh, come to the come to the prayer summits come and pray Uh, pray cry out we live in dangerous days we need to be praying the second reason I share that is because what he uh, what he experienced there uh it's it's uh, it has a term in in for the doctors that are here. Forgive me. I think it's called uh, hemodrosis. Uh, it, it was when extreme stress comes on. It they call it hemodrosis. It affects on the body is to weaken and and uh, uh, it causes mild dehydration. Uh, and it's caused from severe anxiety and both the blood and the sweat. There's blood and sweat loss, uh, while the extent of the blood is generally is minimal it also causes the skin to become extremely tender and fragile. So we're talking about Christ about to enter in to an extreme attack on his physical body and from what he was experiencing in the garden, his skin would have already been extremely tender and fragile and there hadn't been any flogging yet. And the intense strength one needs when you go through extreme anxiety I remember when I was a kid one time I uh, I, I, we moved into a little town and there was this other kid he was a bit of a bully and he started to threaten me over something and I went home in the afternoon slept all afternoon I must have been about 9 or 10 at that time and I slept all afternoon because of that that pressure have you ever experienced that here's Jesus he's just stressed right out uh, and, and he's entering into physically stressed right out and he's entering into the attack that's going to come. So, the soldiers come. The the Judas Iscariot comes and betrays him. They take him. They take him to Caiaphas, the high priest's house, and all of the Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin, are gathered there. And they have uh, an illegal, an illegal, illegal court session. These were the guys who were to hold up all the law and yet in, in, if, if you're one for justice this was the most unjust thing because they were at nighttime. that was illegal uh, they, they were gathered together in a way and they were putting false witnesses forward and all the rest of it and it was horrid but Jesus stood there and took it all he took all of their, their accusations and all of that and then they took him to Pilate early in the morning Pilate was the Roman governor. The Jews were under the Roman Empire at that time, and the Roman governor was the only one who could really do what they wanted him to do, them to do. He wanted him to do, which was to crucify Jesus. Herod is in town, so Pilate says, "Oh, maybe I can get out of this." He sends him over to Herod. Herod sends him back to, to Pilate. Pilate's wife comes and says, "Don't touch this innocent person. I've had this." Or a dream and you shouldn't do anything here and after all of this he tried to get out of it he tried every way but the politics of it all he was afraid of the power that these men who were there and act accusing Jesus had and and even though he was the one in charge when they started saying if you're a friend of his then you're not a friend of Caesar's and all of the the accusations came back but finally Pilate says okay What do you want? I'll let one go free at this time. Do you want Barabbas or do you want Jesus? And they said, Barabbas, let him go free. And what do I do with this Jesus that you brought here? And he knew that he'd been falsely accused. He knew all of that. What do I do with him? And they began to call out, crucify him, crucify him. Now I want to talk to you about crucifixion. We don't understand all about crucifixion. Um, If we talk about... Um, people being put to death because of uh, we don't have the death penalty anymore in Canada but when there was a death penalty or in places where there is a death penalty how do they kill people? The electric chair was one way lethal injections all of these were used to eliminate a person to kill a person very quickly painlessly even if we go back to the guillotine the guy's name was Guillotine, who invented the guillotine. The reason he invented it was so that they could chop people's heads off and they wouldn't hurt. Well, <laughs> it was just, and that was, that was it. No pain. The cross and crucifixion. Crucifixion was the opposite. Crucifixion was purposely designed to cause all the pain possible until the person's life eked out of them. Now, the Romans didn't invent... Uh, crucifixion it was probably the Persians who did it and it had been used over and over and over again all through the Middle East in fact they say that that in one case uh, Alexander the Great crucified 2,000 people after he conquered a, a, a city that had resisted him and he crucified them so it was something that was very commonly known and commonly done even though they didn't crucify Romans, didn't crucify Romans unless there was treason. Uh, Very few cases of Romans. They usually crucified people, slaves. Slaves were crucified all the time because they wanted to make example of them. And they wanted them, in making that example, they they wanted them to hurt. They really did. This was part of it. So there was a pre-crucifixion torture that went on before they even crucified them. And... uh, the the history tells us pre crucifixion torture usually involved flogging, could also include burning, racking, mutilation, and abuse of the victim's family. Uh, Plato uh, described that as some of the common pre crucifixion things that they did. They wanted these people to pay for what they'd done, to be an example. And the more pain, the better. Flogging. Flogging was whipping with a, a whip that had not just a plain whip, but it would have uh, pieces of metal and, and, and uh, stone and glass and things in, tied into it so that when it, the whip came down, it would rip the flesh apart. So Herod said, "Oh, uh, pardon me, uh, Pilate said, okay, we'll flog him. And he's in your hands, and, and, and then crucify, you can crucify him to the Roman soldiers. The Roman soldiers made fun of him. They mocked him. They put a crown of thorns on his head, and they went around hitting it and hitting it. And, 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 and they just made fun of him because that's what you did if you were putting a person out there to be crucified. They were to be pushed down in every way to the maximum. And then they would hang a sign around them, which usually telling them what there was, whether they were a thief or a murderer, and they would cause them to carry the, their cross beam. They didn't carry the cross like we have this picture of Jesus uh, carrying a, a cross with uh, this. No, they, they carried a cross, just the beam that went across. And they would stretch their hands out and tie them to this beam and they had to carry it through the street like this with this hanging on them telling who they were and what they had done. And and they would would walk uh, through uh, the the city and people would make fun of them uh, as they carried this cross beam. The upright part was already planted someplace outside the city. Always by a road that was very transited with lots of people because they wanted this to be an example uh, to people. Here's what we do to thieves. This is what happens to a murderer. This is what happens to. And, and they, they had it in a very public place, and, and the, the upright part, the posts and the poles were set in the ground and just left there. That was the place of crucifixion out there. So this crossbeam, they're carrying this crossbeam and stretching it out. It's interesting. Just, just a, a little side point here is um, in in uh, in John chapter twenty one when Jesus uh, speaks over Peter and he tells about prophesies about what Peter's future was going to be. And here's what he said: "Truly, I tell you, when you were younger." Uh, Peter, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. And that's what happened to Peter. He was crucified. Uh, History tells us, uh, uh, or that he was crucified upside down. Now, that wasn't an unusual thing. When the crucifixion thing, sometimes they crucified him upside down. Uh, sometimes uh, they would crucify them by simply, uh, they didn't have the crossbeam at all. It was just the post, and they would just hang ropes around there, and they would hook that over, and they'd pull them up, and those people usually died very, very quickly because they were asphyxiated. Their, their, their lungs couldn't, because they were pulled up. Others, it was like a T. It was just a cross at the top, and, and they would hang them up, Uh, on that it was a very shameful thing a very very shameful thing to be crucified it was it it was the lowest of low it was the worst it was the worst torture it was not a quick uh, die it was it was in a very public place in fact um, Quintania writes whenever we crucify criminals the most frequently roads were chosen they were completely naked so that it was the, the 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 lowest of low was presented when they came to crucifixion. They wouldn't, they would take them through the streets with that crossbeam. Jesus, because he had already lost so much blood and had been beaten by those demonic Roman soldiers with the flogging these these people were demonic they had hate they loved to see blood fly and he was so weak he couldn't carry his crossbeam. so they grabbed simon out of the crowd and simon uh carried that that cross beam for him and they took him up uh to where it was then they would nail him on the uh, lay him on the ground and they would stretch them out to the point uh with their hands to a point where their their shoulder would pop out of a, of a joint so they could get them out as far as they could then they would drive nails through the wrists. I know you say, well, it says his hands, but it depends what language you're talking uh, about as to where that hand is. Uh, like in Spanish, um, you don't have 10 fingers and 10 toes. You have 20, to- uh, 20 fingers. Uh, you have 10 fingers on your hands and 10 fingers on your feet. Uh, same word for finger uh, for feet and finger for hands. I remember a story of a, uh, missionary family who were their kids were growing up speaking Spanish and English and they get it all mixed up and the young teenage boy was out chopping some wood with a machete and he came running in and he said to his mom "Mom, I just cut my big finger of my t- of my foot." <laughs> He'd cut the big finger of his foot. Uh, what hand was they usually put it in through here through the wrist because that's where it would hang him. So hand in the in the language didn't have to be right in the palm of your hand in spite of all this the, the, the pictures you saw but they would stretch them out and pull them out and, and nail them to that and then they would grab that cross piece and they would lift it up and they would hook it on and hang it on to the upright part a lot of times they didn't lift them up very high just a little bit off the ground history tells us they, they would leave them there just, just enough so that they couldn't be standing on there and then they would put nails in their, in their feet in Jesus' case, I think they lifted him higher because they would lift the ones higher that they wanted more people to see, and they lifted him higher because I think because it says they when they went to put uh, the sponge on his uh, his lips, they put it on a reed, so they had to lift up a little bit higher. I don't think he was really really high, but they had lifted him up, and they also nailed the the proclamation, Jesus, the King of the Jews. Across the top, so there must have been a piece sticking up. It wasn't just like a T. You know, when they didn't hang them very high, history tells us they would hang them there and they'd leave them till they rotted. If if, if people didn't come and take the body away, they would just hang there after they died till they rotted, and the dogs would come along and eat their legs and pull them off. And I mean, we're talking about horrendous death and horrendous. Desecration after death because these people did not value anything. They were the scum of the scum of the, as far as uh, the society was concerned, they were the worst. You know, if I asked you to quote uh, Psalm 23: The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. A lot of us could do that. But do you know what it says in Psalm 22? We're going to put this one up on the screen. Psalm 22, verse 14. This was written. Hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was crucified. I thought we were going to put it up on the screen, but I think we lost our operator. There we are. He's awake now. (laughs) Thank you for coming back. Um, Psalm 22, verse 14. I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. Pulled out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. That whole emotional melting. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried like a potsherd, which was a piece of dry pottery. And my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. Dehydration. All of that blood loss. Dehydration. Thirst. An extreme thirst. Thirst. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. This was not written uh, uh, at the time Jesus was alive. This was hundreds of years. This psalm, uh, they had sung it years and years and years uh, uh, before that, and it explains exactly what was happening to our Lord Jesus as he was faced with crucifixion. The medical cause for crucifixion is varied. The the, uh, asphyxiation was was high. In, in it because as the person was nailed to the cross and their feet nailed, then the body would sag down and you have to, to breathe. You need to move it up. You could push yourself up enough and every breath would be a pain. Every breath, extreme pain. The nails going through the nerves, uh, the, 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 the feet hurting in every movement, not counting all of the, the ripped apart skin on the back and the buttocks and the, and the legs, uh, touching up against the wood, all of that. But other suggestions that the crucifixion caused was uh, hypovolemic shock, heart failure, and dehydration. Because with a lack of blood, the heart would, ru- would, would, would go very rapidly to try to pump the blood that wasn't there. And heart, heart attacks, heart failure would happen because of these guys being hung that way. It was hideous. It was horrid. It was to cause pain. It was to cause people around to look and say, I never want to go that way. That's the scum. That's the lowest. That's the worst. And then the Roman soldiers who did this all along, they were there. They were watching. They had to stay there. They had to be there. Because if one of these guys lived, it meant their life. So they had to stay there till they died, and had to be sure they were dead. To me, that's one of the strongest things to think that Jesus did die was those Roman soldiers. They knew death. That was their job. They knew when a person was gone, and they were not going to let anyone come down off a cross and live. Now you have to realize too, these guys are out there and all of a sudden, the middle of the day, darkness and an earthquake and the whole place starts to shake and for three hours it's dark and all of this is going on and they want to get out of there. So how are they going to make sure that they're really dead? What they would do is they would break the person's legs because when their legs were gone then they hung down lower they couldn't lift themselves up and and couldn't keep breathing and they were asphyxiated very shortly with broken legs so they came and they broke the legs of the two thieves that were hung beside Jesus but when they came to him he was already dead and they knew it but instead of breaking his legs because scripture said no bones would be broken they pierced his side, and out came water and blood. It was obvious he was dead. He wasn't in a swoon. He was dead. What killed him? They were surprised he was dead so soon. What killed him? I think if we go to Isaiah 53, and verse 5 it says, But he was pierced, For our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Can you imagine... I've thought of this, I've thought of this many times. What was it like for a sinless one to all of a sudden take on all of the sin? See, you and I, we grew up, we grew up, we inherited sin from our fathers all the way back to Adam. So we grow up. You don't have to teach a little child how to say, No, you have to teach them all to say yes, because that rebellious no and all of that sinful nature is already there. But Jesus didn't have that. He was the sinless one. And all of a sudden, all of your selfishness, all of your rebellion, All of our hate and our anger and our rage and all of our lies and our deceitfulness and our treachery, all of the darkness of the evil in our hearts comes upon him, came upon him as he was hanging there and his life was flowing out of him. He was crushed for our sins. He died so soon. He experienced that horrendous darkness of separation from God when he cried out, "My Father, My Father, why has Thou forsaken pers- me?" He experienced the loneliness, the most extreme loneliness, where sin separates us. Sin separates us from God, but sin was separating him from God. And then he came to the end, and. He said, it's finished, and he died. Why? Why did he die? I think there's one word that explains that, and that's love. He died because he loved you. He loved you. I don't know where you're at this morning but I don't know anyone that loves me that much, as much as he did, where the sinless one took on all of my sin. Physically, his body was completely ripped apart, and his blood drained out. The spiritual side, he took on all of our sin, all of the condemnation, and paid the price for my sin, for your sin. So we're going to go back to where the story started. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread and the cup and he said, this is my body. This is my blood. After this happened, after the crucifixion, after... He was placed in the tomb, and after he rose again, then the disciples understood what he was talking about. But you and I, this morning, need to stir ourselves up to what he was talking about. And so we're going to partake of the Lord's table. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. If you're here this morning... And you've never stopped to realize that it was Jesus dying on the cross. And his shedding his blood for your sins. And you, you say, ah, what do I do? It's quite easy Just say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Please let your blood wash over me and wash me clean. I need you. That's all there is to it. Cry out to him wherever you're at. If you've never heard this story like this before, you need to take it in and say, yes, I thank you, Lord, for dying. Jesus, you died to pay for my sins. I need that. Please forgive me. If you're here visiting with us today and you've known that, you've walked with him, you've known him as as your Lord for a number of years or for a number of minutes, it doesn't have to then partake with us. This is not the table of Hillcrest. This is the Lord's table. And you're invited to share and and take the cup and take the the bread and and eat with us because we're going to remember what he did. So I want you now just to bow your heads and begin to think about that crucifixion and what he paid for. And if there's some things you need to get right with him right while you're sitting here, I'm going to ask the... Our servants, the ones who are going to come and, and, and from the guest service team, they would come and they were going to pass these out amongst you. Okay? And as you take them, hang on, to the, hang on to the cup and the bread and we'll take it all together. But I want you to just bow your head and think about this. As we wait upon him, Thank you, Lord.
1: This is hard. she